Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join pastors Michael and Heather Jarreau and their passion to help you live out your best life. We hope you enjoyed today's encouraging and uplifting message. So we've been in this series, Get Wisdom, and our foundational uh, scripture is Proverbs 1, 1 through 3, and it says, here are kingdom revelations, words to live by, and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life, written as Proverbs by Israel's King Solomon, David's son. Within these sayings will be found the revelation of wisdom and the impartation of spiritual understanding Use them as keys to unlock the treasures of true knowledge. Those who cling to these words will receive discipline to demonstrate wisdom in every relationship and to choose what is right and just and fair. So wisdom really is inferring God's principles into us, into our lives, into how we live life. And if you want to, and this is actually a quote from Uh, the Senate chaplain, Barry Black, if you want to stupid-proof your life, get wisdom. And he actually teaches to uh, read James 1 and 5 on a regular basis. And James 1 and 5 says, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. How amazing is that? That is so profound, so profound. So today we're talking about wisdom for finances. Now this is kind of funny because I'm one of those kind of people that believes money is just something you need in case you don't die tomorrow. So I, Stevie probably ought to be preaching this message. <laughs> but, um, but just like all the other areas of our lives, and I think the, the other thing I will say about this series is that you'll see how they all tie together. Principles for wisdom in relationships apply to principles for wisdom and finances. And how you get wisdom applies across all of these topics and contexts that we're talking about. So see how they tie together. And if you've missed one or more of the series, go back and, and, and take a look at it because it's really, I think you'll see how they all connect and tie together. But God gives us wisdoms for how we should live when it comes to our money and finances. Do you know how many scripture references there are to money and finances in the Bible? (laughs) A lot. That's that's my answer, because I don't know either. But if you look at the research, depending upon who you're looking at, there's somewhere between 800 and 2,300 references in the Bible to to finances, to wealth, to, you know, the things that apply to our financial principles. Um, I actually thought uh, about seeing how many of them I could read in 30 minutes. Um, but uh, I wouldn't read that many, and you'll probably do better by turning on your Bible app and having to read to you. Um, but God's Word has something for us with respect to money and finance. And my hope today is that I can leave you with a few principles, a few nuggets, something to, 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 to chew on. But even more than that, my hope is that this will inspire you to dig deeper into God's Word, to go and seek the, His principles and His guidance on your own, to get into the word, to be praying about uh, wisdom for yourself 
in finances and, and with your money. So, as I said, I'm honored and privileged to preach this morning. It is, I don't take it lightly, it's really a privilege to be up here. But I have to confess that I really struggled with this at first. When Pastor Michael put out the preaching schedule, he had me listed on another date with another topic, and I was pumped about that because that topic was like in my wheelhouse. It was right there. I could, I could just, I wouldn't even have to study. i just fire away, right? So as things happen in church and in life, schedules got a little twisted, and so Pastor Michael asked me if I could switch to today. I said, sure, I'm here on Sunday. I can preach today. Can I preach the same topic today? And his response was no. <laughs> now, you know Pastor Michael. He's uh, all about clarity. He's a master communicator. So he didn't just say no, but that's what I heard. <laughs> I heard no. And I, and I need to tell you why, because there's some context to this. Um, Stevie and I sold our house in Seattle last fall. So it goes into our 2018 taxes. Um, and on this day, when I was having this communication with Pastor Michael, we were leaving our CPA, had received a diagnosis that we were facing a six-figure tax bill. And as we walked out to the street, the parking enforcement lady was walking up to our car. And I was like, well, I paid the meter. I, I looked at her and said, we still got 10 minutes left. And she said, yeah, but you in a load zone. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? So that's a $100 ticket being in the load zone. Now, there's more to that story. We'll come back to that. But in that space right there, where I was at, I heard this no from Pastor Michael, and I'm like, come on, man. I'm, I'm being flexible. Can't you be flexible? And of course, I'm telling this all to Stevie, right? Uh, my bride who keeps me centered, and she replies, you know, she has her way of bringing me back, and these weren't her words, but essentially she, she said, get over yourself, right? She said, you are a grown man. She actually put a little word in between there. You are grown. <laughs> no, that, that's a GAM, yeah, a GAM, GAM. You figure out, you figure out an acronym, GAM. And so, so after I got over myself, and frankly, that's a piece of wisdom for you right there. For somebody out there, you need to get over yourself. That's some, a nugget of wisdom. After I got over myself, I went back and read Pastor Michael's email, and of course it was clear. Of course it made sense. I mean, he, he was trying to juggle all of these schedules, and of course I'm going to do what he asked me to do. I mean, I, I know him. I've known him for 10 years. I've been serving under him for almost eight years. So my reaction was completely based on the circumstances that I was in. Six-figure tax bill, $100 parking ticket, and you want me to preach on finances? Seriously? So, and I actually had a chance to talk with him about this, so this isn't new to him. We've had this conversation already, and as we were having this conversation, again, his wisdom was so profound, he was like, somebody needs to hear a message being preached from the midst of circumstances. Not from the end of the story where the testimony's coming out, but from the midst of the circumstances. So, 
here I am, and whoever you are out there, this is for you. I'm making the sacrifice all just for you. <laughs> so, um, no, it's, it's truly a privilege and honor, and I just, again, hope that this, this flows well. But two, three, three quick bonus nuggets. Get over yourself is one of them. Getting over yourself is really a good piece of wisdom. If you can move yourself out of your space where you are, you can embrace and feel and hear and receive God's wisdom. Secondly, don't be moved by circumstances. God is always doing something bigger and far more that we can see, and we just have to hold on to that and stay and not be swayed by circumstances. And lastly, brothers, listen to your wives. They are more in tune to the Holy Spirit than we are. And just listen to them. That's some wisdom right there. That's some wisdom right there. So wisdom for finances. I'm going to share with you four points about getting wisdom for finances. God's wisdom is our guide to how we live our lives. And with respect to money and, and, and finances, these are some ideas that flowed out of my time in prayer and my time in, in Scripture and reading Scripture. So the first one is... And this is actually applying wisdom to how we live life. So we live life, if you want wisdom or if you embrace wisdom in finances, live a life first of gratitude. If we start with John 3.16 and the gift that God gave us by sacrificing his son on the cross for our salvation, for our eternal life, for our healing, for our redemption, how can we not be in a space of gratitude? God gave his son for us, and that should be the foundation of our gratitude. But even more than that, God does so much more, adding to this all the other things that he's blessed us with, saved us from, brought us out of. And when, when it comes to finances, we also need to remember that, it's, that he, God, is where it all comes from, right? So, so having that place of gratitude, living a, in, in a, a life of gratitude, Deuteronomy 8 and 18, and 8 and 18 says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. He gives us all the opportunities. He gives us all the knowledge and wisdom, and especially the wisdom, to get wealth. God's nature and desire is, is absolutely the very best for us. Um, as a father, and you know the scripture, as a father um, desires to give good gifts to his children, even in the space of being evil, how much more does God want to bless us? How much more does God want to give us good gifts? And he has, that is his nature. And if we embrace that nature, gratitude flows so easily. If we live gratefully, living gratefully guards us from the love of money. You know, a lot of the world actually misquotes scripture all the time. They say the, you know, the that money is the root of all evil. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God tells us. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And so if we live in this space of gratitude, it guards us. It, it, it allows us to then resist the temptation to love money, to love things, to love wealth. And it helps us keep our eyes on the one we serve. And as we keep our eyes on the one we serve, we can hear we can hear through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through those around us, his wisdom for finances. The Bible also says that no one can serve two masters, right? We can't serve God and money. So 
again, that space or that place of gratitude, if we can embrace that, that essence of gratitude, it helps us resist the temptation to love money. Gratitude and diligence go together. So living a, dil a diligent life, and the Bible says in Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, work at it with your heart as working for the Lord. Gratitude leads to diligence. Diligence to excellence. So as we embrace this space, this uh, essence of gratitude, the diligence and excellence flows into all parts of our lives, into our relationships, into our workplace, into our finances. Amen? Next one, live life as a steward. God owns it all. We're just his trustees. In fact, we're his ambassadors. And we're in D.C. Do you know the difference between ambassadors and senators? Well, we, of course we know the difference, right? But senators are about their constituents, are about their state, are about the, the territory that they represent, what they have um, control of or what they represent. Ambassadors represent the entire nation with the same message, with the same focus, with the same uh, purpose, right? And so as we are living a life uh, in Christ, we're called to be ambassadors to God. And so as we, are, as we think about this notion of being an ambassador, that's the essence of stewardship. We're going to take care of what God has given us, what he's blessed us with, what he has given us in, this, in our lives. Amen? Proverbs says, trust, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. As ambassadors, as stewards, we seek God's understanding. We resist the temptation to put our own understanding into situations, circumstances, decisions. Genesis 1, 26 and 28, this is a little bit long, but it's worth it. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. Uh, take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea, birds in the air, and every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. The point of that scripture is that we're made in God's image. He's made us stewards and given us dominion over all the earth. And as stewards, we need to handle it and take care of it because it's his and like it's his. Not like it's ours, but like it's his. Stewards, the, a couple of other points about living a life of stewards, stewardship. First, stewards tithe. People who are stewards tithe. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving to God what he's asked in the Bible, um, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on something. I was talking to Stevie about this a little while ago. We, um, our son has been tithing since he was in high school, and he always goes back and reminds us of what his mom told him, is that God can do far more with you and $9 than you can do with $10 by yourself. Tithing is a biblical principle, a financial principle, and it unlocks God's grace, God's wealth, and so stewards tithe. Um, in the 2 Corinthians 9, 7, in the Passion Translation, it says, Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. 
Now, I'm feeling a little funky talking about tithing in this church because we are such a generous church. But somebody out there needs to hear this. And if you're not tithing, understand tithing, ask questions about it, and make sure that you're unlocking God's amazing abundance in your life by following his principles. Stewards are faithful with what they have. They're not looking to the right or the left to see what other people have. They're faithful with what they have in terms of their wealth, their abundance, their jobs, their relationships. So be faithful with what you have. Luke um, 16.10 says, The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. If you want more, take care of what you have now. That's a great principle to live by on the job and definitely with our finances, with our money, even in relationships, as you want relationships to grow. We don't have a preaching clock this morning, so Timmy's trying to keep me on time. But if I mess up, Pastor, it's not my fault. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to be on time. <laughs> um, so stewards are faithful with what they have. Stewards pursue God's financial principles and knowledge, and not just the financial principles and knowledge, but stewards pursue God's wisdom. So Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy truth, B-U-Y, buy truth, purchase truth, and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. There's a point here about God's principles and how we apply them in our lives and this, this notion of congruence, that we can't when we apply, when we embrace God's principles and his wisdom, they don't shift from circumstance to circumstance. They apply to all areas of our lives, right? So when we embrace this notion of integrity or truthfulness or honesty, they don't change from circumstance to circumstance. There's this, this, this essence of congruence that they really need to show up in all parts of our lives. John Maxwell, who's a great Christian author, wrote this book, and it's actually, I think, the smallest book he ever wrote, and it was titled, There's No Such Thing as Business, Business Ethics. And what he was trying to get across was, your ethics don't change from what you say on Sunday morning to when you go into the office on Monday morning, right? Your ethics apply across your life consistently and continuously. So, stewards pursue God's financial principles. Number three, Live life generously. Luke 6, 38, it's a great scripture. We went to a church where we read this every Sunday morning um, back in the day. Um, but basically, Luke 6, 38 says, give, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you such an overwhelming measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement, your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. So we're an amazingly generous church. I love about our church. Our pastors are generous. We are sowing resources into our community. We're sowing resources across the world into the body of Christ. And we just have this, uh, this nature of generosity. But this is another biblical principle that we need to make sure we're applying in our lives. And there's a couple of benefits. There's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, gener generosity reflects the nature of God. As I mentioned about being his ambassadors, as his ambassadors, generosity, generosity should be our nature too. We're made to give. We are made to give. I know that's hard for some, some of us to, to, to get that, but as we believe in God, as we believe God 
um, and what he teaches us and the wisdom that he imparts to us, we are actually made to give. Uh, Genesis 126 said God, and it was, again, I read this earlier, but just that first sentence in that scripture, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. So we're reflecting God's nature and his essence as his nature is a generous nature, so is ours. Generosity is healing. It's actually the antidote to greed. It, generosity gladdens our spirits. There's actually science out there that says that we are at our best. We are the happiest. We are the most fulfilled when we're giving something to or doing something for somebody else. It's, a, it's an amazing principle that, that it, it's, it's life-giving. It, it just uh, fills us with a, a healing anointing in our lives as we're being generous and, and, and giving of, of what we have. And it doesn't matter how much. It's not a question of amount. It's not a question of uh, a, a dollar figure. It's really just this, this th that we are beings of generosity and that we live that way and use our resources, whether it's our time, treasure, talent, to sow into other people. Generosity edifies God. When we're generous, he's glad. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God. When we're generous, when we embrace a generous spirit, we are glorifying God. We are glorifying our, our Father, our Creator. Now, just a quick point, and this is a little nugget of wisdom Sometimes there's a fine line between generosity and foolishness. So as we embrace a generous spirit, we need to make sure that we're guided by the Holy Spirit. We're guided by the Word. How many people have been drawn into something because of your generous spirit and realized that wasn't really something that I wanted to give to? I have a friend that was in a bookstore, and he was uh, <laughs> at the counter, and they had a uh, little vial of oil on one side that was $5 and another little vial of oil on the other side that was $10 and they looked exactly the same. He asked, well, what's the difference? Why would I pay $10 for this oil? And they said, oh, that's blessed oil. <laughs> um, anybody buy a blessed handkerchief back in the day? I mean, if God spoke to you to buy the handkerchief or God spoke to you to buy the $10 vial of oil, that's, that's cool. But some things aren't, um, don't align with God's notion of generosity. So make sure that as you're being, in, as you're in that generous space, that you're exercising wisdom and that you're not bumping up against that foolishness. Last point, live a life of contentment. First Timothy Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says, A devout life does bring wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Since we entered the world penniless and will leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. Gain in God's economy does not come through having more things. Despite what the world might say or what advertisers might try to tell you, try to convince us, Contentment comes from loving the will of God under, no matter what the circumstances are. Contentment finds joy in what we already have. Contentment 
yields peace. Proverbs 10 or 19:23, when you live a life of, of abandoned love, surrendered before the awe of God, here's what you'll experience: abundant life, continual protection, and complete satisfaction. Contentment yields peace. If you're seeking peace in your life, embrace this spirit of contentment. And contentment, frankly, recognizes redemption. You're doing a great job with the clock, Timmy. Thank you. <laughs> contentment recognizes redemption. One of God's characteristics is as the redeemer. We often think about this as redemption being connected back to him through the cross, right? But God is the redeemer in so many aspects of our lives. When we lose something, he redeems the loss. When we lose time on something, he redeems the time. So being in the space of contentment, for instance, in the circumstance that we're going through, we know that God is not done. God is redeeming the situation. And so we're going to embrace that notion of redemption and the essence of redemption as we go through. So the story is not over. Our story is not over yet. There's more to come. There's a diagnosis of a six-figure tax bill. Um, we don't receive that diagnosis. Amen. <laughs> we don't receive that diagnosis. We're, we're praying about it. We're looking for witty solutions. We're challenging our CPA to do more. And we're believing that there's going to be a favorable um, ruling from our friends at the IRS. They're our friends. They're our friends. Amen. So our story's not over yet. Um, and, and, and there's this old song that we used to sing, Whose Report Will You Believe? Well, we're going to believe the report of the Lord. Amen. So as we're in the middle of this situation, as we're going through this situation, we're going to be grateful for what God has given us. We're going to be grateful that should we have to pay this tax bill, we can. We don't want to, but we can. All right. We're going to be stewards of what he's given us. If we're called to pay this as the government asks and says that we have to pay it, we're going we're gonna to pay it. We're going to give to Caesar what, what Caesar's. Amen? We're going to be good stewards of God's resources. We're going to continue to be generous. We're not going to stop tithing. We're not going to stop giving. We're not going to stop in our, we're not going to move ourselves out of our essence of generosity because we got this tax bill or the $100 parking ticket for that matter. And we're going to be content because we know God has got this. He's got this. And not only will he make a way in this situation, but however the situation turns out, he will redeem that back to us. He'll redeem that back to us. Amen? Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. I want to pray for two, well, I want to pray for everybody first around this whole question of wisdom and wisdom and finances, and then I want to pray for a second group of people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the saints around us who impart wisdom and give us the benefit of their experience and their knowledge. We thank you for this series, Father. We thank you that we're receiving wisdom in so many aspects of our lives. And today, Father, I pray that everyone would take away some nugget of wisdom related to finances and money. We just thank you that you're a good God. You're an amazing God. And you have us, you give us those things that we need to live a life of gratitude, to live as stewards, to be generous, and ultimately to be content. In Jesus' mighty name.
Amen, amen. Hey, um, we are, we absolutely are about um, people knowing Jesus in this church. That's our essence. We believe that Jesus is the point and people are the prize. You may be here today and may not have had the experience to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you've had an experience that moved you away from knowing God, from being in relationship with God. We just want to give you an opportunity this morning. Um, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make you stand up or come forward. Um, but I am going to ask you to raise your hand. So if you heard something today that's tugging on your heart, that's compelling you to want, know, want to know more about this Lord and Savior that we call Jesus, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand on the count of three. And it, it, it could be a new commitment. It could be a recommitment moment. But just on the count of three, and everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, so nobody's looking around, I just invite you to raise your hand. One, today is your day. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Two, God loves you. He gave his son for you. He sacrificed his son for you so that you would be have this opportunity of salvation. One, two, three. Hands going up right now. Hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, we love you. We call you Lord and Savior. We confess our sin. And we ask, we ask your forgiveness. We declare today that we are Christians. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen.